Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, my South Stand chum, the beautiful green hooded bearded legend, Mr. Paul Levy. Sat right here. <laughs> welcome back, everybody, to episode number 57 of the Orient Outlook podcast with the developments over the past 48 yes. hours. We are doing this episode slightly differently this week, as you've probably seen from social media, those who regularly listen to us will be aware that we cover the events of the past week and social media and blah, blah, blah. But we've cut all that out this week. We are going to cut straight to the chase. Uh, we've got a few things that are worth mentioning um, as to what's happened over the past few week, uh, past couple of weeks since we last did a podcast because obviously we didn't, we didn't have a game last week. So um, we're going to crack straight on, aren't we, this yeah, week? absolutely. Um, so an yeah. action-packed episode featuring such favourites as Kevin Lisby. So we've spoken to Kevin and we'll be giving you an update about Kevin Lisby. We've got Dave Victor giving his thoughts on Ian Hendon, um, which is superb. And we've got our first ever live phone-in interview. So we crack on. So two messages to get out this week. The first uh, was on Facebook. So our first ever Facebook message was from Dan Angaldi on Facebook and said as follows. He said, I love the podcast. My son and me listen to it every Wednesday on the way to school. It's his birthday tomorrow, so we'd love a shout-out for him. So, happy birthday, Zach. Uh, happy 11th birthday. Um, and he goes on to say, as frustrating as the O's have been, we aren't far away from a good team. So I make your positive views right. Well, that was sent about two weeks ago, and a lot's changed in the last two weeks. So we hope you still feel the same way, Dan. Happy birthday to Zach, and thanks for your message on Facebook. Yep, and he can be found on Twitter, at Leighton Stonian. Yep. Uh, so Dan, yeah, thanks for getting in touch. Also, happy 31st birthday to um, Sunshine Bus legend Ben Boatman, um, who was 31 the other day. Happy birthday to you, mate. That was the 10th of Jan. Ben Boatman was one of the first to start tweeting us on a regular basis. I've, I've got a lot of time for Boatsy. Happy birthday, mate, and I hope your uh, kids spoiled you. Absolutely. Uh, also, um, hello to... I didn't really catch your first name. All I asked was... Um, sort of what your Twitter handle was but I couldn't find you Chocky Brownie saw you on the Jubilee line today mate really good to, to catch up with you and hear your thoughts on stuff so um, top man and uh, all the best to you so very very briefly the weeks that were because we have got so much to cram into this so obviously as Paul said no podcast last week so a bit of a news roundup from the last fortnight so on Wednesday the 6th of January the club issued the following statement in regards to the Football Association's charge against club president Francesco Pichetti um, so the statement went in response to the misconduct charge brought by the EFA we can confirm that Mr Bichetti late in Orient's president has admitted improper conduct but strongly denies violent conduct and has requested a personal hearing cool right so that is what it is just FB yep just Friday FB. Friday the 8th of January John Marquis's loan spell ended uh, as he returned to Millwall wish him all the best there Neil Harris actually asked for him to come back a day early so he could involve him in their Oldham game on the Saturday so yeah. recalled a day early but it's inconsequential really hard worker really hard worker Shame never got going goals. I think he only got the one goal and he's back on Millwall's bench so he might he might do himself well you know what happened he'll yeah, go yeah. to somewhere in League 2 another club and tear it up or something tear maybe. it up and score against us you can see it a mile off yep um, and Sunday 10th of January so our first phone in um, of the podcast this evening on Sunday 10th of January there 
Kevin Lisby got in contact with us, um, obviously because we've got his details and he's got ours, and said he would be leaving Barnet and he would be available. So we sent a tweet out saying we would have him back and what did all our listeners and followers think? And a massive response, probably our biggest ever tweet um, on Twitter. Huge response, all mostly in favour of Kev. A few mm. suggesting he come back as a coach. So we thought, what better way to update you than speak to the King, man himself. Kev himself. So here he is, recorded earlier this evening. So joining us live on the phone right now as part of our special feature in episode 56, welcome to the show, or back to the show, Kevin Lisby. Hi Kev. Good evening to you. Thanks Super for joining Kevin us. Um, Kev, yeah, <laughs> thanks for joining us uh, on the podcast again, Kev. Uh, just really wanted to touch base with you, really, and see. Obviously, you know, we we know you've sort of left Barnet now, and just see where you're at at the moment. What what's going on with you? Because um, you know, as I say, we've we, we've had some sort of shouts out there about potentially coming back. What's the situation at the minute? Yeah, I mean, I spoke to um, your former gaffer um, on. <laughs> On, on Thursday, um, he asked to me on what's the situation and then obviously I, I left Barnet and I'm, I'm a free agent and would he obviously be interested in me coming down and he, um, he said yeah, he said come down, um, train with the team, I think we've got a ready game tomorrow, so he said come down and just just see where your fitness is and, and go from there, but obviously things have changed now, he's, he's obviously left, but I'm um, hesitant to come down today, um, so I did and I trained with the boys and uh, playing a ready game tomorrow. Um, it's more, I think, just to keep fit now, obviously, not knowing who the manager is, um, I'll just keep fit and, and I'm in and around the club. Cool, so you said you was at the training ground today, and how was that? Um, yeah, it was alright, I think it was, um, the manager came down to say goodbye to all the lads and that, so it was a bit, a bit of an emotional day, um, to, oh, yeah. maybe I should have left until tomorrow to come in, but um, obviously I didn't know this was happening and that, um, so yeah, it was more to do with obviously the, the manager leaving today and... Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a funny day, but yeah, I mean the lads would get on with it and the lads were training. They say got a ready game tomorrow. And then are you going to be starting that game? That was a game, or are you coming on to sub? Do you know yet? I hope I'm starting. I'm not. I'm not been told. Um, <laughs> I played. I, played, I mean, I've been. I played a few in under twenty one games, but I haven't really got to touch the under twenty ones. Um, yeah, I played a few under twenty ones for Ghana, and that. So um, I mean, I'm ready to play games. Um, it's just about getting some games. Um, Okay, so importantly, I think the message here is that you're fit and ready to go. Um, yeah. Should you know, should that be uh, something that the club want to do, which obviously many fans do do feel that that is the case. Thankfully, yeah. Well, yeah, well as I say, I've, I've been fit for the last two months. Um, I've been living around the first team, come on a few times. Um, the most I played is 45 minutes, but just coming on, right? Okay. Um, but um, yeah, as, as I said. I sort of me and the chairman stepped down together with the manager and I wasn't playing I'm not comfortable not playing at my age so um, we just worked out something and, and as I say if I play tomorrow I'll get, hopefully I can get 90 minutes in there's another 90 under my belt and just see what happens obviously as I said I already got a manager so it's um, literally about keeping fit at the moment and we'll see where it goes OK in terms of, of today what was the mood like in the camp today what can you tell us um, about that well it wasn't um Obviously, I came to watch the game on Saturday, so um, I don't think everyone was obviously happy about the result on Saturday. And then to make it worse, um, obviously the manager gets that. I don't think any player likes that. Um, mm. They seem to some of the lads seem quite close to him. To be fair, um, obviously I've not been in around the clubs. Um, I heard he's a good man, 
So, um, yeah, it's always, especially at home, you never know which place they go, but I think all of that is just a bit anxious now to see who comes in. Um, I've had a few managers over the over the few years now, and I think I'd like to just get stable again and get a, um, a good manager and kick on again. Absolutely, yeah. and just to finish up, we um, we tweeted last week when we found out you weren't going to be at Barnet for much longer, and I've got to say it was the biggest response we've ever had out of any of our tweets in terms of like, would you have Lisby back? In a phenomenal response. So you obviously still still love down there, and you know I think most of the fans, if not all of them, would love to see you back in an orient shirt. You know, it would be a massive game changer in terms of the mood at the club, and you know. You, you would definitely be putting some of those chances away that we've we've missed. I think it's fair to say earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean for me it'd be absolutely ideal um, the way I left um, without obviously playing much last season. I felt like I could have helped the boys and um, to be a part of this squad and try and get this team promoted. I've still still have a, a couple of years of me whether or not I'd play it every ninety minutes and I'd understand that. Obviously my age and that, but um, I'm a fit boy. I'm a fit thirty-seven year old. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it no as problem. always, and uh, we look forward no to seeing problem. you soon. No problem. See you later. See ya. So that was friend of the show, Kevin Lisby. So hopefully <coughs> um, we'll see him back in the night shirt very soon, playing in the reserve match tomorrow. But obviously, I guess it depends on who comes in. I think he, we his need manager. We've got quite a young squad, and I think someone, someone with his level of experience, I think would actually do us do us One great good. even if he plays sort of half hour here 45 minutes there his just the calming attitude that he has and the, the experience that the younger lads will look up to I, I think that I think that he'll join the midfield to the to the front too uh, a lot better than what we've got now absolutely so following on from that Monday 11th of January Harry Lee joins Welling on a permanent basis we wish him all the best from the podcast I guess yeah, he never 100%. got a chance to show what he could do really yeah. um, but Quote from Hendon, who said, we did put a sizeable clause in his contract, so if he does get sold on from Welling uh, and moves on, we will get a sizeable chunk of any transfer fee. So, better than silver line in there. We wish Harry well, and uh, we wish Welling United yeah. well. So, leading on to Wednesday, the 13th of January, it is announced by Guardian Orion um, that Andre Presenda is our new technical director, which was confirmed by the club on Friday morning. So, Presenda has worked as a sports journalist for Sky Italia and for Francesco Bichetti's Aegon Channel, and it is believed he will play a significant role in the club's transfer activity. Mr Levy, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, again, it's just somebody else that's that's just not going to really help matters, really, in my opinion. Um, it's like going up to someone in Sky Sports News and saying, do you fancy doing a bit of technical director work yeah. for us? And, you know, we've already, you know, they may well know a few people, but it's a very, very different proposition to actually arranging talent coming in and doing contracts and contacts within the English game. It's a football's a very close shot. You can't just go bold in there saying I'm mm. I'm the new big guy down at Leighton Orient. Who you got for me? It doesn't work like that. And from what I understand, that's exactly what how he's sort of. That's kind of not exactly because I don't know for sure, but that's pretty much what I've been led to believe is how he's going to come in. He's gone in and emailed loads of people going I'm the big cheese down here now. What you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that point. Don't and like it at all. When Bichetti first took over, I understood Mauro because it was someone who was established within the game and it was quite a big deal and it was it was good. But for a League Two club, for yeah, but I don't I don't understand this one. I don't understand this guy. Um, 
And I think that was a kind of, for me, the first big, big warning sign that Hendon was probably going to be on his way sooner rather than later when that happens. So he is here. Um, and I guess we just need to deal with it. But, you know, in terms of a manager, it must be very hard for a director of football to come in and tell you who, who they want to bring in without your say. Yeah. Very odd. So leading into Friday 15th of January, um, a nice piece of news that the club announced mm. that the 2005-2006 promotion winning team will be returning uh, to the Matchroom Stadium on Sunday the 8th of May, 10 years on from the day of Oxford United for an anniversary dinner. Lovely. Confirmed names so far. John Mackey, of course. Standard. Gary Alexander, Lee Steele, Lockie has just confirmed, I think, since this went public. I think they'll all be there. I think barring one or two, you'll probably see all of them. So, tickets priced at £45. All money goes to the late and youth development. Great gesture. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I'm going to try and get a ticket for that and get, get down there for that one. Yep. Also, it's announced that the FA uh, by the FA that Francesco Bichetti will serve a six-match stadium ban for violent conduct and fine £40,000 for the Portsmouth, Portsmouth after-match antics. The ban has been stayed pending an appeal and the club released the following statement. In response to the charge brought by football's governing body, the Football Association, Mr Bicchetti, late Norwich president, admitted improper conduct but strongly denied violent conduct. Mr Bicchetti also grant, was also granted a personal hearing on request. Mr Bicchetti, however, is deeply disappointed with the decision that has been taken by the FA Regulatory Commission, which he does not believe reflects the events on Boxing Day. Mr Bicchetti will consider an appeal upon reviewing the written reasons of the panel. Yeah, so another bad bit of press there for, for our, Waste our of time. president. Mate, you, so kick, you kick the assistant manager up the backside intentionally. There was no banter about <laughs> it. You were clearly annoyed. Let's move on. Yeah, absolutely. So we won't get that any more time. So Saturday the 16th of January, which feels like ages ago. It was only three days ago. Um, Exeter at home. So the team lined up. Chizak in goal. As normal, back four of Klehesi, SM and Voto. And Kapekawa, who I still can't say after about four or five weeks. Uh, midfield as Turgut, Payne, Pritchard, McEnough with Palmer and Simpson up front. Subs. Uh, Granger on the bench in defence Dunn, Shaw uh, and making a welcome return to the squad Sammy Moore lovely uh, good to see that with Moncur and Gerardo Martin hashtag JCM JCM yeah <laughs> absolutely Love, loves a self self hashtag self hashtag and Scotty Cashgate and Scott Cashgate so it was one change from the team that drew at Stevenage's and voter came back in uh, for Fraser Shaw who dropped to the bench so Fraser Shaw quite unlucky to be dropped again I'm disappointed for him I thought you you'd wouldn't take a low knee over a no, absolutely over a, a contracted player, but there you go. Absolutely. So the match kicked off. Yeah, um, you, I I wasn't at this. I've seen the highlights, obviously, but you you were there. Yeah, we started well, didn't we? A fantastic first twenty-seven seconds. So a good move. Um, yeah, good good crossfield ball from Pritch that found uh, Mackenough. Mackenough done well. Drove into the box. Got the ball in. Palmer sticks his chest out. Dream start. Great goal for Palmer. Good for his confidence. Um, and the nervousness that was in the stadium, you thought would have disappeared by going a goal up so early. Um, relief all around the stadium, everyone happy, you sit back and go, right, Exeter have got a big cup game coming up on Wednesday night, they're already a goal down, they'll just take their foot off the gas and we should cruise this. That's what I was thinking. However, um, you know, that's that's as good as it got, you know, in the 14th minute, um, Exeter equalised and Vos, the ball comes in and to the box and Vos have completely missed his header. Um, really, the, Poor defending uh, all round, and Klehesi just let his man. I think Klehesi thought right was going to head it, and Klehesi was just nowhere to be seen. His man Stockley in at the far post, easy finish for Stockley, and a real kick in the a real kick in the teeth for us, you know. But same old story this season. We just can't defend 
Ball it's into, been really poor, isn't it? Ball into the box and Vota completely misses it. Essam's nowhere. Klesi is just nowhere to be seen. No chance for Chizak. Um, although Hendon was seen to be criticising Chizak uh, for not claiming the ball. You know, from what people were saying on the touchline who could see Hendon. But once that happened, you know, the atmosphere changed. People, you know, started voicing their opinions and, you know, it just became a bit bit nasty. Players, you could tell, starting to lose their confidence. Exeter got a lot more comfortable into the match. Their fans started getting louder. Um, Chizak made a good save in the 23rd minute. Um, but then straight after that, Exeter made it 2-1. Again, really poor defending. Their man Nichols in loads of space, heads it in. Chizak going to push it into his own net. And from being one up within 27 seconds, within 2-1 down really quickly, poor defending. And as soon as that gold went in, booze rang out across the stadium. Players' heads go down even more. Klehesi kicks the post in frustration and ends up hurting his foot, I think, a little bit. And he's just sitting there just going, why can't we just defend any kind of ball into our box? You know, same old story. Mm. And then five minutes after that, it really should have been 3-1. Exeter got away. You know, there was three on one. You just you just sitting there going, What is going on? A great save from Chizak, but you know, everyone who was sitting there was just absolutely flabbergasted at how awful the defending was. SM nowhere and Voto nowhere. They were just making us look stupid. And it was no surprise three minutes later when we defended poorly again and this time Stockley capitalised on it and made it three one. Absolutely mm. again, no chance for Chizak. No one near him. No one near him. As soon as that goes in, Ryan's on the wall, you know, hending out, starts all around the stadium, heads down again, you know, 33rd minute, lucky not to be sent down to 10 men, Pritchard with a stupid two-footed tackle, just pure out of frustration, referee showed him the yellow, but he's very lucky to get a yellow, 39th minute, <clears throat> should have been 4-1, Exeter had a great attack and they hit the bar, Chizak beaten, um, and that was it mate, first half, going at 3-1 down, a terrible half, probably the worst half of defending, I would say, I have ever seen. It was calamitous, it was like, Keystone cops. It wasn't even calamitous because for it to be calamitous, <coughs> the defence would have had to be near the ball and be making cock ups. They just weren't near the ball at any point. You know, it was just, it was just crazy. Or other than that, I thought, I thought Ollie Palmer played really well. I thought Palmer chased everything down and got Shining his goal done really well. But in a storm, really yeah. terrible. You know, uh, attendance was announced at five thousand seven hundred fifty-eight with five hundred twenty-nine away fans. Decent so good turnout. Good turnout. So time we knew Hendon had to do something. So he brings on two subs. Brings off Fraser Shaw and Callum Harald and Martin. They come on for Voto and Turgot. You know, didn't think Turgot had his best game, to be fair. A bit disappointing. And reports have suggested that Voto walked out at half time, but they were incorrect. But since we have heard that he's left the club, uh, going to Shrewsbury. Apparently. So, yeah, so we wish him well. So second half kicked off, and Exeter were just happy to sit back. They had a 3 1 lead. They were happy to defend it. Uh, and we went back to the diamond in the second half. So Payne playing deepest in the diamond. McEnough and Pritchard in the centre and midfield and Gerardo Martin playing behind Simpson and Palmer. You thought that was good, didn't you? Yeah, I thought he'd done right, actually, Gerardo Palmer. I think he'd done well. Um, nothing much to say about the second half, really, until <coughs> the last kind of 15 minutes. Decent effort by McEnough that went wide. Uh, 80th minute, get a lifeline. Uh, Classic gets brought down in the box with 11 minutes left. Blatant penalty. Upsets Jay, Jay Simpson. You're already thinking we're going to, you know, 3 2 at least ten a minutes back left. in, yeah. But he hit the post. I think at that point, he knew it was. Not going to be our day. When it hits the post and bounces away to their yeah. player rather than bounces back out to you for a second, it just sums up your day. Absolutely, it? typical. Just a big groan around the stadium, massive groan. 82nd minute, Scott Cashett comes on. Good to see Cashett get a bit of game time on for Pritchard, so Hendon was obviously going for it. And in the 83rd minute, another penalty. Um, again, for me, blame penalty this time. Simpson ball down in the box. Um, this time, picks a different corner. 
but Bobby Lesnick saved it. Decent keeper, Bobby Lesnick. Very decent keeper at this level. Decent penalty, I think, to a certain extent. Like yeah. It was definitely a target, but Lesnick is just a big keeper. Made himself big. And guessed right and got saved it. But what are the odds of Simpson having two penalties saved? Same. In you, one game. You're just, you're just sitting there, just groaning uh, in absolute frustration. Um, and with that, you know, all truth be told, nothing happens in the last 10 minutes. That, that drained everyone, you know. People were leaving, stayed until the end as always. Um, extra five minutes played after the 90 but the full time whistle goes and we slip to 3-1 defeat so a, a terrible bad game best way I can describe it really mm. poor so that defeat meant we slipped down to 11th in the table uh, played 26 won 9 drawn 10 lost 7 37 points but amazingly still only 2 points away from the playoffs ridiculous isn't it yeah absolutely ridiculous just think about how many missed opportunities there have been this season you know and how inconsistent we've been since October yeah. and we're still only two points off the playoff places it just shows you how, how weak this league is but following the match Dave Victor spoke to Ian Hendon and Ian told him we defended like schoolboys. the players have to take responsibility I thought the team I picked was going to do a job today and the coaching staff have put together a list of players they want this has been put forward and are still waiting a response there is interest in Jay Simpson uh, Ian has spoken to the owner and Jay is staying with the club Yes, that's so, good to hear. Interesting, very interesting. Uh, apparently, the players were also in training on Sunday, so well they would have been. I don't know if they it would be a warm down of of sorts as well. Um, yeah, overall overview of that match. Your thoughts on that? A crazy match, mate. Really crazy. You know, yeah. after taking lead in the first minute, the fence absolutely dissolved. You know, all of them should be ashamed for that performance. Um, for me, even Baldry should be sitting at home thinking about his actions against Portsmouth because, you know. That red card that he got was stupid. And for me, the midfield, no defence, no cover from the midfield. So, you know, it's all well and good me sitting here talking about how poor the defence were. But if your midfield aren't going to help out your, your defence, then you've got massive problems. And we just don't defend as a team at all. Um, no backbone, no leadership, meaning it's easy to expose a defence. But saying that, you know, if Simpson scores a penalty with 10 minutes left, could, you're looking at a different, completely different game, a completely different 10 minutes, you know. So... That was it, but any any point we would have deserved, got would have been completely undeserved. So, as it stands, we lost that one. So, straight after the game, your views came in uh, massively, and the majority of them, I would say, about ninety percent, were calling for Ian Hendon to be sacked. So, the first one at Joe Watts nine. So, getting sick of saying this every week, Hendon out. Yeah, there's a lot of that. At CM Oriental said, time to get rid of Ian Hendon and Hess and take the defence as well. We need someone who actually knows what they're doing. At Westy 999 said, enough is enough. Spend some money on some decent defenders. They're dreadful at times. They're all too small. Hashtag buy some giants. <laughs> at El Coado, can't wait for the excuses this week from Ian Hendon and the happy clappers. Minus the first five games, Hendon's reign has been awful. And Richie J. Bourne said Pritchard gets a game every week and does absolutely nothing. Every pass is side to side. His shooting and crossing is laughable. At Rob underscore Nez underscore Scythe, have we attempted a through ball from the midfield? Payne and Pritchard sideways passes and then long ball wide to Clehessey. Yeah, good point there. Okay, showing. So I really want to support Ian Hendon, but four wins from 21 games is a tough statistic to defend. And speaking of defence, shocking. At Andy underscore PO16 should have been sacked after his tactics versus Wimbledon. The Pompey red card saved him, 
but must go after today. At Len M4, so the collapse in the first half was a disgrace. It's all well and good having a good atmosphere, but at the end of the day, points win prizes, and you are going to win no fans over with a 10th place finish and a four wins in 21 record to match. At Janine Edelman, wish we'd started with the second half team from the start. We may have had more of a chance. Yeah, that's a good point there. Good yeah. point. At Amex Quicks, so how far down in the league do we have to drop down before Henley gets the boot? Our answer was not very. Yeah, at Orient Fan TV, simply not good enough. Hendon has to go. Can't blame Simpson today. Without his goals, where would we be in the league this season? Yeah, at 1881 Orient, it's an absolute disgrace. Tired of saying the same thing. Hendon out. At Giorgio Irwin, 77, you have to question what they do all week. Defences are shambles. Got totally outplayed today, and something needs to change. Yeah, David TH, 64301889, said Hendon has to go. He's had two weeks to set up that back four, and they all look like strangers. No excuse for that. Hendon out. At the Authentic, Gaz, really angry about today. Could have been 6-1 down at half-time. We had two weeks to prepare for that game, and they blew it big time. They really could have been 6-1 down at half-time. It was mm. shocking. At Les LK52, said the selection was all wrong. Turgut isn't up to it. Caldo should have started and also it's time to rest Clahessi as he's gone right off the boil at Valencia underscore Orient same old same old for Mohendon he needs to take some responsibility somewhere lack of man management skills and maybe Max underscore Chris said I'm not sure where we go from here a new manager would have no time to get a new player and will have to work with the squad at Bushwooder I sometimes have the feeling that Hendon is managing with both hands tied behind his back Hashtag bring back her. Yeah, and at SE160 said, I think this squad is good enough. I feel most problems this season are down to selection, tactics and subs. Yeah, so a lot of that. So at, at half past six, yeah, around, that time. around half six on Saturday evening, I got a text from a source that's very, very close to the club telling me that uh, Hendon has been told he will not be the manager for the next, uh, uh, for Orient for the next game. Um I was I was told that it's being verified, so don't do anything with that at the moment in case it turns out yep. that it's wrong. So about twenty minutes later, um, we then get a tweet saying he'd been asked, or a message saying he'd been asked it's, to it's done. to stand yeah. aside. Um, it sounds a bit weird because it is weird, um, and essentially he was asked to step aside, and uh, that resulted in him being relieved of his duties because obviously he wasn't just going to stand yeah. down. So they the club relieved him. Uh, of his duties and, and personally for me obviously never like to hear someone losing their job um, the, you know this new technical director I dare say has had some involvement in yeah. this and, and that obviously doesn't you know start his chapter at the club very well um, I think Ian's a victim of his own good nature you know following last season's dismal efforts he was trying to stabilise the club and protect an owner who has no idea really what he's doing and by all accounts doesn't seem to have learnt much from last season um, you know, Ian's been very protectionist of him. Um, you know, the chairman slashed the budgets, not signed players on a list he was given two weeks ago, and ultimately it's cost him his job. You know, don't get me wrong, Ian's not totally blameless with the players he's got in or the tactics at times uh, have been tough to watch. But uh, you know, sometimes when you work with one arm behind your back, any job is going to be tough. Yeah, you know, Hendon's reign has come to an end and I think Hen's biggest issue for me is that he didn't make himself likeable to the fans you know yeah. and he discarded us to a certain extent you know he was arguing the fans after matches there was his interviews post-match that you know and I, everyone on the phone has men, mentions this later you know when we win it was we and when we lost it was them um, and he didn't seem very forthcoming whereas I guess Russ um, you know was very forthcoming uh for me, 
yeah, he, he always blamed the players and not himself, which wasn't a good a good sign. Um, and for this reason, I think most fans didn't like him and didn't back him. Whereas if that was a man, no, and if that was a manager who you liked, or more fans liked, I don't think he would have felt most of that pressure. Correct. I think it would have been acceptable to someone like a Slade character or a Redknapp character or someone like that. Well, bearing in mind the Slade season where he nearly got us relegated, and it was only Alan Judge yeah. that was coming. Kind of the Different they were on though, their back. Time. We were on his back, but we weren't like it wasn't as toxic as, as it has been in the last four months. And bear in mind, Ian's only had the team since July. Absolutely, August. you know, you got you got to say though, he's been so unlucky with injuries. You know, yeah. you take Cox out of that team, Cox in League Two will get you what twenty assists and fifteen goals at a minimum. You would probably say so. That's what thirty five goals aren't aren't being created by Dino. McCallum, I think he had four goals until he got injured, and he got injured in October. So you think McCallum would have got at least, probably on the basis of what he was doing, at least 10, I would say probably, probably 20, somewhere between 10 and 20, an absolute minimum, which is unlucky. You know, other injuries, Lloyd James has been injured, Baldry seems to, you know, had little niggles here and there, Essam here and there, McEnough when he did come back wasn't fit and God knows what was going on with McEnough behind the scenes. Jack Payne for me, a player who Hendon really worked hard to get in and really put a lot of faith in for me. From what I've seen of Payne, He's okay. He's no better for me than Sammy Moore or Pritchard. Um, I agree. I don't think he's done it. He's not really floating my boat either, Jack Payne. For a League One cap, for a League it. One captain last season from Peterborough, who yeah. cost that who cost that club quite a lot of money. You know, on transfer deadline day we were all stacked when we got him. He's been alright in some games, but other games hasn't done anything. And you know, compare him to someone like Vincelo, who's who's playing in the same position as for me, I take Vincelo any day of the week. Yeah. You know, some signings that didn't work out, Essam. Started really well, but it's obviously so short on confidence at the moment. But Hen continued to play him week in, week out, where maybe he had better options elsewhere. Turgot, I'm not sure about Turgot really. He's played Junior. well in some games, not, other games hasn't done that well. Impressed. Alan Dunn, Biggest mean, surprise. what can you say on paper? That that should have been an easy sign. And a versatile, experienced defender who's had a, a nightmare. And Hendon obviously lost faith in him really, really yeah. early on. And you know, I agree. So he's been really unlucky. God knows what was going on behind the scenes as well. You know, we, we, we get to know about some of it, but I reckon there's loads that we don't know. One thing that stood out for me a mile off was, you know, no leaders in that squad or that team, you know, and no fight. You know, a year ago we had Clark, Cuthbert, Vincelo, Cox. You know, those boys don't like getting beaten. And some weeks with this current team, there's no leadership in there like that. Baldry... Although he tries, I'm not sure he was certain captain material. Um, and we know, you know, Hendon gave his assistant to Bichetti before he, you know, he was let go. So, you know, his his, his hands were tied uh, with that. But for me, yeah, I'm sad to see him go. I think he, he did have a bit more to offer. Yeah. but Nicely rounded up there, mate. Thank you, uh, buddy. We're going to move on now. We uh, quite widely uh, sort of publicly uh, said we're going to do a slight change uh, this week. We've had some... Um, some, some phone-ins that we're going to play shortly as well, but we also had uh, a message that came in from the editor of the one of the longest-running uh, fanzines in the country. Um, that was That's the Pandemonium. Uh, Matt Roper, uh, unfortunately, couldn't uh, speak to us this evening, but he did send a message through saying... Uh, he's extremely concerned with regards to the instability that appears to exist at the club. Over the weekend... 
Um, he put out further information on social media that casts grave doubts about the ownership and future well-being of the club, even taking into account what fans might not want to believe. As rumour, we believe there is, unfortunately, more than enough factual information in the public domain that would draw even the most optimistic of supporters to the conclusion that LOFC are now both unstable and a laughing stock within the Football League. Wrong appointments, looking for our sixth manager, relegation, late payment of wages, transfer embargo, lack of communication, the loss of several key players of star and staff, hotel gate, the unsavoury incident on Boxing Day between the President and Andy Hessentyler, and finally the owner's personal situation relating to criminal charges away from these shores are all things that cannot be disputed and it paints a very poor picture as well as showing, we believe, in which direction we appear to be heading. We have very little confidence left in the decisions made by the owners at this point and would urge O's fans to be asking themselves the following questions. Are you happy and confident regarding the ownership of your club? What are Mr Bacchetti's motives for owning LOFC? And in addition to that, we urge all fans to take up membership of the Fans Trust without delay and to remain supportive of the team on match days. So that was a statement there from... Matt Roper. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Loft is on Twitter. Loft is on uh, Facebook as well. Um, you know, you can join for as little as a pound. It is very, very worthwhile um, being a member of that because, you know, as a potential future fan-run club, you know, we need as many supporters as we can get should, should that option um, ever come up. Cool. So that was from Matt. We also had an email from uh, Chris Kane at chriscane underscore 1992. Who said, I'm very sad to see Hendon go, as there were numerous political factors holding him back, most notably the budget after last year's spend-up. However, now we need to get behind Hess, Nuge and the team to get back up the league. Having said that, we're only two points off the playoff, so we are not in a disastrous nor worrying position. Mr Bichetti and Mr Angeleri need to work hard to get the correct appointment this time. Uh, you know, after giving Hess a fair stab at it. This was said in the off-season before Hendon was appointed, but fans will start turning their backs if the off-field situation does not improve. I don't want to see the club being run into the ground, same as Chilino runs Leeds, or the guy who runs Charlton runs Charlton. Just um, Sacking managers does not breed confidence with the knocking effect, meaning players won't want to join and the bigger clubs would not want their youth prospects to join in the club. Ron Greenwood was manager for years at West Ham despite not being successful. And although times have changed since that, I think going back to that approach could be worthwhile. Dario Grady at Crew and Paul Tisdale at Exeter are fine examples of our level. The director football is a modern thing, and in some cases it works, and others it doesn't. Players seem disappointed when Gianna Luca Romano left, and if that's the case with their relationship with the players, the new guy needs to do the same. Don't tread on the manager's toes, but work with them and help them identify targets. Then the ball needs to back this. There's reports saying all targets wanted by Henton turned down is very unfair. And my final point is expectation levels. They need to drop. After 2013 and 14, I think that fans believe it's promotion challenging every season, which isn't the case. I think a year of consolidation this year is what's needed, and then we build again. Cool. That was really good. Cheers, Chris. Cheers, Chris. Thanks for that, mate. Uh, we also, as we mentioned earlier, we have spoken to the voice of... Um, the voice of Leighton Orient uh, on Orient player Dave Victor and here is what Dave had to say so joining us now as part of our special phone in episode we have none other than the voice of Orient uh, we would say uh, Mr Dave Victor welcome Dave how are you all very good Dave how are you yeah good thanks good man so we thought we'd just get you on the show this evening we're speaking about Ian Hendon and obviously him leaving the club so can we get your, your thoughts on that first off well I'm very disappointed that it's 
not worked out for you. And I think he's genuine. He's got a real passion for the club. And uh, I think in the summer, he generated a real sense of renewal. And that shouldn't be underestimated. When you look at what's happened to Yeovil and you think how down we all were after the Swindon game. And I mean, that was a shocking result and performance. Um, but the fact that it was an English manager, the fact it was somebody that knew the club well, I think we all bought into it. And it was a fantastic start. And I think we also have to remember that Ian was working under difficult circumstances. And I don't think we'll ever know actually just how hard they were. I think you got a, a sense pre-season when he was starting to talk about the problems he had with Shane Lowry and how that situation hadn't been explained to him. We also knew about Joby McEnough and uh, after the Exeter City game, I didn't ask him any more about Joby because I got the impression it probably wasn't his um, decision. Uh, he had to make so many signings so quickly. I mean, I don't think he officially took over until the uh, 1st of July and as a result, there's bound to be one or two mistakes. Um, but I think there were some good acquisitions. Uh, more pain, sure, looks very promising and so did McCannon until that very unfortunate injury. And when you look at the signings he made, in many ways, Alan Dunn, you'd have thought was going to be one of the most solid uh, performers. That certainly wasn't the case in the end, was it? Mm. Um, I mean, he was very unlucky in terms of injuries as well. You know, to... Incredibly unlucky. I reckon that uh, Dean Cox has been out for two months, but he's still the player with most assists. Yes. Uh, and when you think of what a big player he is for the for the O's, and what an important player he is to miss um, Dean Cox at the time that he did, and you look at the results and the way things have slipped away um, since the end of October, it's not a coincidence that um, you know we, we, we missed the, the small man so much. Um, I think Ian's biggest achievement has to be the form of Jay Simpson. You, for, you forget, really, that this time last season he was the forgotten man at Brisbane Road. Um, and Jay is always very quick to acknowledge the part that um, Ian has played in his success. And I think it would be wrong. I mean, it's, uh, Ian's taken a lot of responsibility for the things that have gone wrong. So it's only right, I think, that we say, well, well done for getting Jay Simpson as right as we have, because it's incredible, isn't it, after uh, so many years that we have a player that scored 20 goals in the league but um, he's had difficulties there's no doubt that the defence was a problem right from quite early on and I don't think it's just the back four I think Leighton Oint failed to defend as a team I think that was evident particularly in the first half on Saturday we, when you think that we were playing a team you know significantly below us in the league table a side that had played Liverpool a side that had done virtually a 600 mile round trip on the Tuesday night but they looked fitter they looked sharper they were closing down in midfield and I think that uh, often the blame has gone to the mistakes of the back four and there's been plenty to talk about but where I've been disappointed that they haven't defended the team they haven't closed down they haven't covered for each other um, maybe that had been the um, f formation and the tactics and listening to yourselves I mean um, on the Oil Outlook podcast looking back sort of August September October time you were often saying what was good about Ian Hendon was that he was making changes he was switching the the formations and that, that was evident that was happening and then you started playing Diamonds Elf forever and something must have gone wrong there <laughs> in terms of the formations. It seemed um, that suddenly a man that had so many ideas was sticking to a formation and I'm not too sure why he did that possibly because his side became hard to beat but 
they really won. Yes, uh, yeah. it was an issue, wasn't it? Too many draws and, and not enough wins. But that's not such a bad thing in, in, in retrospect. We've only lost seven all, all season and we're only two points off the last playoff spot. So whilst the form isn't particularly uh, great and, and, and the... Um, the, you know the, the quality of football isn't great. We, we, we're, it just shows you what sort of a league we're in. When, as I say, we're only a couple of points off off the last playoff spot, and you know, like you said to Kevin, you know, we beat Wickham on Saturday, and we level with them on points. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I think it got to a stage, particularly after very poor performances recently, particularly around the Christmas time. I thought um, the Yeovil performance was was awful. The yeah. performance at Stevenage was awful, and two weeks later, it actually got worse. Against Exeter City, and I think um, you know it came to a point where the president would have to either back him or sack him. I think he probably went for the uh, softer and easier option. Ian didn't help himself. I mean, um, I don't think he's one of the world's great communicators, um, and I think as a result, um, people w- weren't actually aware of just how much he cared, how much it hurt. I think one of the mistakes that he made post-match was that. When Orient won, he would talk about we, and when Orient lost or drew, it was a bad performance, he would talk about them. And as a result, I think he gave the impression of not taking responsibility. I think it was a a wrong impression to give, and I'm sure that he bore the whole responsibility, and in the end, I think players let him down, and uh, you know he's paid the price for his job, and I think it's a great shame, and I think those that cry and out have to be careful what they wish for, you, you know, I worry about what's going to happen next. So you've just taken the words Absolutely. right out of my mouth, I, I tweeted that from my own personal Twitter account, at, uh, t- you know, today, I was just about to plug it then, but I won't do that, <laughs> um, and, uh, and I said, you know, you have to be careful what you wish for, because when you look at the odds of people that are out there looking for a job at the moment, I don't really fancy many of them. We link with like the Decanios, all right, Mark Cooper, Andy, Andy Scott's up there, and sort of you know your randoms, Eric Cantona, Russell Slade, Steve Cottrells, all these you know random ones, and and, and there was a rumour today, Dave, of of potentially an Italian uh, manager coming in. What we need to remember is that, uh, was it six managers in 15 months yeah, now? Yeah, something like that. It, it, it's, it's quite something if you take on in all the interims. And um, uh, it, you can't build anything when there is so much instability. Yeah. Um, when you think, I think it was 2012, it probably would have been very easy for Barry Hearn to have got rid of Russell Slade, but he stayed with his man, and I think he reaped, his, reaped the rewards as a result. And if you look at a lot of very successful clubs... Um, they've stayed with their man. I mean, uh, Alex Ferguson was a fantastic example. I remember covering Manchester United back in the day at the old Plough Lane for BBC Radio uh, Manchester, and they'd lost 3-1. Um, and the pressure on him was astonishing. Mm. The pressure to got rid of Arsene Wenger probably a couple of years ago uh, was really about mounting. But, the, you know, they're, they're reaping the rewards now. And managers need luck. I mean, it's fantastic what Leicester are achieving at the moment, but there are two key players in that side and if you took those out it wouldn't matter who was the manager of Leicester City I'm sure they wouldn't be challenging at the top end of the table equally if you take out uh, Dean Cox I don't think it matters who is the manager of Lake Nointe it's definitely going to show in terms of results oh, absolutely you hit it on the head there you, you, you know we had sort of questions but I think you, you, you've beautifully covered it, it yeah. beautifully covered it Dave David thank you for joining us this evening really appreciate you giving up it's a pleasure thanks for what you do lads I think uh, the podcast is a very important voice particularly at this time thank you
So that was Dave Victor there, and he made some, <coughs> he made some really great points about Ian uh, with his communication and kind of with you know the luck he had. And thank you for Dave for making the time. Hundred percent, Dave is so smooth, isn't he? So He's considered, it's brilliant. Yeah, really brilliant well to listen back to. So now we also had uh, quite a number of people uh, come forward and say that they yeah. would like to, to come on. There was a three-minute cap, but sadly we did run over on some of them. Cause, Slightly. Because some people were making some really good points and whatnot. We didn't want to cut people off mid-sentence. So uh, we're going to start with, with David Sears. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to just let it all run through for, for everybody else that joined us. So thank you to everybody who, who did. So David Sears joins us now on the phone. It is at David Sears three on Twitter. David, thanks for for joining us this evening. You're a fellow. No problem, lads. Cheers, mate. You're a fellow Southstand um, attendee. Um, thoughts on on the uh, on the situation with the club at the moment. The floor is yours. Well, obviously the biggest issue um, from stuff I've read today. Um, I've seen obviously Nolan being linked which I don't really like the look of I think we definitely need someone that's experienced we need someone that's obviously going to have a bit of fight and a bit of uh, bottle about them to get this squad going um, and I think Liberani um, certainly we don't want to go down that road again do we with another Italian and make the same mistake we made, made last year um, I think one of the things we've got to do certainly I think a lot of my mates have been discussing this today I think we need to get a decent captain in place. Baldry's definitely not, not dancing as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think he's looked very poor this year. Uh, he's supposed to be one of our best defenders, but I certainly don't agree on the performances I've seen. I think McEnough, this man, I mean, he's a, since he's come back, I think he's been one of our best players. He drives the team forward. Certainly, I saw him at Stevenage. He was the only one, actually, that drove forward back and then still took him off, um, which I didn't agree with at the time. Um, and I think he should be captain. You don't go, to, you don't go to World Cups. You don't go to to play for your country um, if you're if you're a mug there at the end of the day. And I think he's he, uh, definitely someone that, that we should be looking to because he's probably most experienced member of the squad. Great point, great point, well mate. So in, in your in your opinion, who would you like to see it, see it come in at the O's? Um, I think a lot of people have chatted that idea of sort of Mark Cooper around. I think he plays a very attractive brand of football from. From what I've seen of him as a manager, um, certainly he's someone that I, I think would be a, a very good appointment. Um, and after, obviously, if uh, Mr. Blade's available, if he takes his leading card, if I have him back in the shot, I mean, listening to your, your podcast with him uh, a few weeks ago, a month ago, um, I think we just illustrates how much we missed him and what a, a massive difference he made in, the time, in his time at the club. And certainly in my sort of 25 years that I've been going, other than maybe Lingy, and um, I think it sort of comes a, a close second to him, really. And do you still think the, the playoffs are in reach this season? No, no definitely not. I, I think that, I'll, I'll be honest, I mean, I think that we're, I think whereby, whereby from, what, from what you read about players, Well, 
he's never, he's never called a Barnet sort of sums up the type of uh, manager he is, and he's a, he, at the end of the day, he's a failure, isn't he, really, in the, in the grand scheme of things? Yeah. As harsh as it is to say. in some years no David thank you very much that is all we've got time for this week really appreciate your time and thanks very much so joining us now live in our phone in episode is uh, at dear Stu Stuart Hebron good evening Stu Good evening, Paul. How are you? Good evening, mate. Thank you. We're well. Thanks very much. What What are your thoughts on uh, on what's gone on recently? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's been frustrating, you know. Certainly. I mean, I, I, I you know, thinking about it sort of earlier on today, and I just think that you know we won the first five games very, very comfortably, and uh, and, and why has it gone so wrong since then? Um, I, you know, I, I don't know whether or not. Is it because, you know, Ian Hendon was a bit stubborn with regards to dipping into the transfer market? Um, I don't know. He, he seemed to think that, you know, we had a big enough squad to be able to deal with, you know, injuries, etc. I mean, the injuries that have, that have happened, unfortunately, have happened to, you know, um, you know some of our top players. Yeah. Um, and you can't, you can't, you know, constitute for that. But um, I, I think the other thing that's out for me is the fact that you know recently Hendon was coming out with oh the players need to take responsibility now yeah don't get me wrong once they cross that white line yes they've got to take responsibility but he never he never came out once and said well you know maybe I need to take a bit of responsibility as well so and I found that quite frustrating to be honest absolutely are you disappointed Ian's gone um a little bit um, I, th- I think he should have been given a little bit more time, to be honest. I think he should have been given at least the, 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 the transfer market in January because God knows what's going to happen with regards to anyone coming in now. And we've got, what, less than, well, just over 10 days before the transfer market um, expires. I mean, all right, we've got the loan window after that, which I think is up until... Or end of March, um, but it's yeah. I, I, I think he should have been given a little bit more time. But I mean, it, I mean, the, the, I mean, the stadium over the last few home matches has been, you know, yeah, extremely toxic, and uh, you know, it, it's not good. It's not good for the club. It's not good. I mean, I was saying to someone today, you look at those thousand, those one thousand tickets they gave, we gave away for free to those people, to the local residents. Are they going to be coming back to support our, our club? No. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> you know, so, um, so, two quick questions for you, Stu. Firstly, yeah. is who would you like to be the new Orient manager? Give it to Hessenthaler until the end of the season. Good call. And in last, do you think we still have got a shot at the playoffs? If Hessenthaler gets it, yes, I think I think so. I think he's got the experience of the lower leagues and you know a bit more experience than what 
Ian had, um, and uh, I, you know, I hopefully be able to sort of tap into some of his old contacts through from his Gillingham days. I think that give it to him until the end of the season, um, and 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 I, and I think yeah, I think we'll just about sneak in the playoffs definitely. Fantastic. So joining us now on our special phone is, is at Matt Bristow. Good evening, Matt. Hi, Steve. So just to start off, Matt, where, where do you sit in the um, stadium? Uh, to get older? Uh, back in the Johnson stand. Fantastic. Fantastic. So your views on Orin at the moment, what, what you got to say? What are your thoughts? Uh, well, it, it, well, I mean, it's not as bad as last year, but I think the inevitable happened on Saturday with, with Hendon getting the sack. I think, I, think we, I think most Orin fans could have seen it was coming. I think for me, the most annoying part was was he didn't uh, Shea didn't do it after the Stevens game yeah I remember you saying a couple of weeks ago that either give him the entire transfer window or get rid of him after Stevens so new manager's got time to come in yeah it just seems he, he was putting off the inevitable it just seems he knew what he was going to do but you've given I mean either Hesentile or a new guy two weeks less than he could have done so do you think it was the right time for him to go would you like him to stay uh, a bit longer or well, I mean I spoke to I spoke to you on Saturday at half time and I said and we both we both said we think he's gone. Yeah. And I, I, I text my dad who sits in the West Stand after the third extra goal went in and said he'd be gone by Monday. So I think I think it probably was right for him to go. But he, yeah, it's one of them things in you don't like to see change but it might have been needed but in your blog, you write quite a lot of statistical stuff, and you you sort of look at things um, slightly more um, sort of from a footballing perspective. Um, you've obviously blogged the whole season. I don't think you've missed a game so far. Maybe just one game this this season. What? Why do you think the performances have been as you know as they have been? You know, I've seen. I, I wasn't there on Saturday, but I've seen the I've seen the goals, and the defending is is. Shock it's substandard to say to be polite about it. What what, what do you think has, has caused this problem? Why do you think we're in a position we're in where we've lost our manager? I think it's a bit of both. I think I mean the, the players are going to take some responsibility. Well, a, a lot of responsibility for it. I mean, I think I think is right when he comes out and says he does so well. He supposedly does so much on the training pitch and all that, but you can't justify. Clehesi being out of position twice for both for the first and the second goals. The back line not being able to play offside. Um, but then again, I think we've been found out just, um, practically in a lot of games. Um, I mean, Hendon played the diamond for the first sort of six, seven, eight games. It worked for the first five. But when Wickham played us at home, I think uh, Ainsworth did it tactically because he put um, Mark has been on deep and that was it we, we lost the game I, I think it, I think Hendon needed a bit more now and a bit more tactically to be able to change games a bit more but yeah so just to end it Matt who would you like to see get the job at Orient I'd like to see an Englishman get the job yep. whether or not that would be the case I mean people will speak today so the three names in the, in the frame are, or the four names in the frame are Mark Cooper Andy Scott ahead of Spider and uh, Alan Decanio, but um, I like to see Mark Cooper get it, but I, I generally wouldn't hesitate to guess what Bashir is going to do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And to finish the match, should we think we can make the playoffs? Uh, 
can, but I think it'll be a big push at the end. Yep. Fantastic. Cool. Okay. Matt, Thanks, Matt, Matt Thanks for joining us, mate. All the best. Cheers. So now we're joined um, live on the phone by John McIntyre. It's John Macker, at John Macker 1977. John, thanks for, for sparing us some time this evening. Um, where, whereabouts do you sit in the ground, John? I'm in the south stand. Okay. And yeah. season ticket holder, I'm assuming? No, I'm not a season ticket oh. holder, but I do, um, I do the programmes down there quite a bit as well with okay. a couple of our mates. Um, so, yeah, I'm down there, down there most games anyway. So Wicked. Your thoughts on the situation at hand? The floor is yours, so to speak. Um, don't know where to start, really. Um, <laughs> um, glad, glad Hendon's gone, really, because I just, I just don't think he, he was able to get, well, he wasn't able to get the best out of the players. Um, yeah, he was. He just, he never took responsibility for any of the results. It was always somebody else's fault, which I thought was a bit of a cop out. Do you know what? That's a key word. I think we just spoke to Dulcet Dave. He said exactly the same thing, and we just had that yeah. previous call where if, if he said if we won, it was we, and if we lost, it was them. When yeah. To the players. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, like I'm sure a lot of other people have said, it's the uh, circus upstairs that causing a lot of the problems, and we just need some stability. Better communication, like we were saying last year. I mean, the way they've done it is is, is weird again. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen it in the pub on Sky Sports on Saturday night, and then uh, then the club not actually announcing anything properly until today. So, um, but you know, we just got to move forward, haven't we? And uh, hopefully get hopefully get somebody in who uh, who can do the right do the right thing so so I'm glad you came on to that so who in a perfect world who would you like to see get the job then at, then at the O's um, I like Mark Cooper to be honest I like I like I like what he did at Swindon and I, obviously we, we went to watch him a few times when we were playing them and they always played a good brand of football attacking but at the same time had, to, had some good defence as well so uh, I, I do like him I do like Andy Edwards as well um Mm. I've known him, I know him personally, but um, but at the same time, he's doing such a good job in the youth team. It's the only part of the club that's doing any good at the minute, so it's probably better to keep him there. Absolutely, and I guess, yeah. I guess if, he, if he did become assistant manager or something, you'd see more youth come through, I would presume, because he yeah yeah. But I mean, like at least that part—that's one good thing that that part of the club is actually doing really well, and I think it's good, it's good that we've got him there at least. <laughs> So, but yeah, Cooper, Cooper will be my man. But then we're seeing on on Skybet tonight that he's uh, that Kevin Nolan's ten to one on. So at the minute, think, yeah, in the last hour, Nolan's kind of emerged as maybe a front runner, uh, which is a bit of a shock because you know he hasn't got any manager experience at all. I, mean, any... I remember this time last year, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank came to watch Orient, and everyone was like, "We don't want Hasselbank." And then I guess look what look what happened to Burke. True. You know, yeah, yeah. Bit of a tough no, I mean, and now at QPR. Yeah. Look at us turning our noses up at a guy who's now managing a, a wealthy championship club. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're, just, we're desperate that we need we need someone who's, good, who's going to be good in the loan market. If we're going to have any chance of doing anything this season, that's the key is to make sure someone's got the contact who, we, who we're going to be able to get some quality players in in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, uh, to, to help us out because we need it desperately, don't we? Absolutely, spot on. Uh, just to finish it, do you still think we got a chance of making the playoffs? I mean, we're only two points off. Yeah, I think I think we have. Yeah, I mean, you've got. Yeah, I've said it all season. When you look at the league and on such a poor run that we've been on, yeah, 
was still only 11 points off third place. It, it just shows you how open this league is, and it didn't, wouldn't take a lot for us to just get on a little run, and we'd, we'd be up there. So, you know, absolutely. I still, I still, I still don't think that, that third place isn't out of the question. Well, that's you interesting. Know. Yeah, like you said, it's, yeah, it's not. It's run. not because it, all it takes is, a, is us to win a few, and the, and the other top team to have a wobble, and they're going to have a wobble at some stage. Mm. And and then it's a lot lot tighter and a lot more tense for the teams above as well. So, absolutely, very interesting, John. Thank you very much indeed for giving your time to us this evening, John. All right, and uh, no we worries. look forward to seeing you down there soon. Yeah, take care, lads. All the best. Yeah, you too. Yeah. Right. Well, um, so joining us, sorry, David. Joining us now on, yeah. on the phone is uh, is El at El Coado, David Elias. David, thanks very much for uh, for for joining us uh, this evening. Uh, sort of handing the, uh, the the reins over to you. Then your thoughts on on the club situation at the moment. Then. Well, it's all bits. Uh, it's a bit crazy at the moment, isn't it? I mean, just uh, just this evening, just looking up like the new managers. That's appearing on a, like the odds checker. One minute, say Paolo De Canio is two to one, and then suddenly I go put my daughter to bed, come back, and Kevin Dolan's one to ten. It's like not sure what's going on there. But um, either way, um, I have to say I'm I'm glad Endon's gone. Uh, a lot of people crucify me for that, but uh, I didn't think he was the right man to take us forward. But uh, no, I don't like seeing him lose their job. But you know. So why? What made? What made you think that he wasn't good enough for this job? What? What sort of things were? I mean, obviously, you know, tactically, but yeah, you don't want to put words in your mouth. What? What? No, it's it's basically. I think we had the first five games, which is all well and good. We won five, which is great. I mean, I can't, I can't take anything away from that at all. Never. But it, the tactics just didn't change. And then when teams they started to figure us out, we just started to get like we got turned over at exit at four nil. Um, like the first one I could remember, and it's just a case of it's, he just seems so rigid, and he just I don't know. It's like his it, after match interviews, he just seemed very keen to just he'd repeat the same thing after every interview. You knew what he was going to say. You knew exactly what the interview was going to be. And then he'd always blame someone else. It was uh, uh, it was just it was just painful to listen to sometimes. It's interesting because you're not the first person to pick up on the language that he uses in his post-match press conferences. Yeah, it's that, that's, I mean, if I'm honest, it's like I'll get behind anyone that that steps into the uh, like steps into the arena. <laughs> but um, it's just because you've got to, haven't you? At the end of the day, you've got to, you've got to get behind them. Otherwise, uh, there's no point. Actually, supporting him. Absolutely. So it's interesting that you mentioned earlier about the the odds odds that you were uh, that, that you've seen sort of between putting your daughter to bed. What? Who would be your favourite? Um, or who would who would you favour coming in to take over the reins now? Then, um, for comical reasons, Paolo Di Canio would be hilarious, uh, but in a bad way, I suppose. That would yeah. just turn into an absolute cir- the circus he'd bring would be. Uh, It'd be, you may as well put a parakeet in charge uh, but it's like I'd, I'd take anyone that's got a bit of experience in League 1 and League 2 in like get, either getting promoted with a team or pushing a team on in the playoffs not if, if you understand what I mean yes I do yeah someone that's got yeah. that experience of, of that push up rather than someone that just comes in for mid table yeah I mean, it's, I mean Kevin Nolan like I say that's gone 1 to 10 or something but 
Do you really want to have someone's first job being this, the way the situation it is now? We were just not really. Look, this time last year, we were saying no to Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, and then he went to Burton. So yeah, sometimes no, you can't call it, can you? It's exactly. No, that's the fair point, that is. <laughs> yeah, and look at him now. He's in. He's managing yeah. QPR. So, uh, so that's that. And finally, do you think playoffs or auto promotion as possible? Well, there's plenty, plenty of time left if you look at the the table. We're not, we're not a million miles away. It's not like um, it's a write-off. If we get, if we get a good run to go, there's no reason why we can't finish in the in the playoffs. I don't think autos, if I'm honest. Right. <laughs> I'd love to say autos, but I don't see any reason why we can't finish at least in the top seven. If we finished outside the top seven, it hard to say it'd be a disappointing season. Cool. Absolutely. David, that's all we've got time for. Thank you very much for your time. Thank nice you. talking to you. So joining us now is uh, Chris Holmes at Chris underscore Holmes 24. Good evening, Chris. Thank you for joining us this evening. So, Good evening, pleasure. Your views on... Oh, actually, before we start, um, where do you sit in this stand, mate? We're just getting a little bit of an idea of where everyone sits. Uh, North Stand. North Stand. Um, season ticket holder? Yep. Fantastic. Cool. Right, let's crack on. So, Chris, your views on the Orient? Right, um, I'll start with Pachetti first. I think he's made a lot of mistakes. Um, I'll just go through them. Stuff like paying the wages late twice, kicking Andy Hesson Tyler and calling it banter, that ultimatum with Slade, five managers in one half seasons, all these technical directors that just seem to add a layer of bureaucracy to transfers at the club. Hendon said he had these five transfer targets, but he had to get the green light for, but he never got it. The wage budget's apparently been slashed, and he's sort of using the same policies as Barry Hearn, but he's having that extra baggage and chaos and adding that toxic layer to the club. Absolutely, great points. Yeah, the people who've got running the club as well have probably not got much experience in running professional football clubs. So you have people like Matt Porter, and I think people like that should be in charge. And I think he's got two options, really. He's got either sell up and realise he's out of his debt, or just say, this is my budget and let people run it who know how to run English football clubs. Um, I'll, I'll move on to Hendon now. I think it was a wrong appointment in the first place because he had no real experience and he didn't really do a good job at Barnet. But we all wanted to get behind him because he was uh, our captain. And he came into a really tough job with like a squad overhaul. Like, the wage budget had been slashed. But some of his tactics, like against Wimbledon, going five at the back and sitting back, and then playing like against Exeter, like playing Coltsfower, um, he played in left back when he's a centre back. He seemed to always blame the players and not himself. Had a fight with like the fans. The, the performances didn't really improve, and we expected things to get better, but they never really did. There was always poor defensive performances, all these mistakes. He expects all this like stuff he does on the training ground. Things would improve, but they never did. And there was no real game plan or style of play. You never thought, are we a pressing team? Are we a possession team? It seemed a bit disjointed, like there was no real progress. But he really wasn't helped by the owners in terms of like the transfers and the wage budget and things like that and getting players in. So he's always going to be up against it. And what's happened recently, I really think Andy Edwards, the UC manager, I think that's his name, he yeah. should be interim manager instead of Hess and Tyler. Tess and Tyler is just basically hending with blonde hair and he's <laughs> not really been, you're not really he's the same person yeah. you can sit next to Hendon things aren't going to change you're not going to get a response and
we should be waiting until someone right pops up rather than just making a knee-jerk appointment because we want to, we've got to think and plan ahead because it's real difficult times for the club and quite a lot of fans are worried to be honest. Yeah, very good point. So it's a couple of points you made there just to pick up on one of them. As a manager moving forward, who would you prefer to see in charge? Um, I, I'd really like Cottrell to be honest, but I doubt we'd come to us. Good point. Yeah, I thought Last season at Bristol City, they were playing really good football. Um, they came to our place, we went 1-0 up, and then they just outplayed us and 1-3-1. And I, I, I just think it's halfway set. He's got record of getting them promoted, winning the league, winning games 5-6-0. I think it'd be a great appointment, but it's going to be a struggle to get someone like that in when you see the ownership of the club, the way it's run, all the stuff that happens in the background, the TV show, we're a real laughing stock. And to be honest, most people would turn us down. I don't blame them, which is really sad. And just finally then, you've made some great points actually. Um, still think the players are in touch and distance if the right man's appointed? Yeah, uh, just about. But if you look at the... But Accrington's band is like, what, three, four games in hand. It's going to be so tough. We've just got to go on a, a big run. Yeah. And I can't see that at the moment because of the size of the squad. There's no manager in place. Confidence is quite low. Yeah. I'd say we have to rebuild, wait till we get the right man in. The Chessie needs to really sort himself out in terms of running that club properly or getting people on the club properly. And we've really got to prepare for next season where we've got to push on and stop all this chopping and changing and having no real plan in place to move forward. Absolutely. That's it. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah. Now joining us, we are pleased to have um, at Morgan underscore con 97. Morgan, good evening. Thank you very much indeed uh, for giving up some time for us uh, this evening. You sit in the South Stand. South Stand. You're a season ticket holder in the South Stand. Yep. Yep. Uh, floor is yours, mate, really. Your thoughts on, on the club and the situation and, and Ian at the moment? What, what, what have you got to say? Personally, I think it's been a shambles since, what, early November? In my opinion, I think Hendon should have been gone after the Bristol Rovers game. I think we should have had a a manager lined up with transfer targets in mind. He should have been given the beginning of December from the Scunthorpe game, the FA Cup draw, until Bristol Rovers in the league to at least gain a minimum nine points, which should have been against probably Yeovil, Portsmouth and Bristol Rovers. I mean, he only managed to get four points in that time, but the performances in that period really weren't up to scratch, were they? I mean, Yeovil at home, teams like that we should really be putting away on paper. Portsmouth at home, although winning, we probably didn't deserve to, and Bristol Rovers away was just another half-hearted performance we've seen mostly this season, so... What do you think is the root cause of some of these poor performances? Because obviously, you know, on the training ground, they work on stuff. And then as soon as the players cross the line, there's not a lot that Ian can do if a player's not tracking, if a player's yeah. not marking, if a player misses a, uh, an opportunity. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's wrong to pinpoint the blame on one individual such as Hendon. Because, I mean, as you said, once the players cross that white line, it's down to them, really. It's the 11 players on the pitch. I think one point I'd make is inconsistency in in the lineup. I mean, Hendon would come out most weeks after games and actually blame his own defence yeah. for problems on the pitch. Now, if that's such a problem and you're coming up to the January transfer window, 
Why do you then bring two, well, two short-term defenders in, one on loan, and one on what was a two-month contract, really? Like you would add permanent, you would add permanent players to your squad. It's a given. And also, then you come into January and loan a winger. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. So, like, so you happy that? Are you happy that Ian's Sorry. Gone? Sorry, are you are you happy that Ian's gone then or the right time to get to get rid? Well, you said that, you? I, I personally think he should have at least been gone after the Bristol Rovers game, because I think after then it was like it seems to me he's lost the dressing room. You're then going into a, a tough you've come out of a tough Christmas period, we're going into a new year, playing the same type of football, yeah. which was seen at Stevenage, there was no change. If anything, it was probably even worse. So who do you think should take over then, Morgan? Who who do you th- who would you like um, to see as the next manager, realistically? I mean, that's a realistic target for me. I don't know. Um, I'd like Chris Powell. I think Chris Powell would be a, a fantastic appointment. I mean, he's pretty, look what he done with Charlton in League One. I mean, he took them over. He got them promoted to the Championship, and he got he consistently got the mid table for about two or three seasons, and was probably wrongly sacked and would be a great appointment for Orient at this time because we really need someone who can bring in some experienced players who we can work with and hopefully get us back into their playoff positions. And there's a, there's a name who's just popping up in the last 15 minutes online. I'll just get your views on it. Kevin Nolan has just gone into at 1 to 10, which are very, they're huge odds. Uh, what would you think? So as a manager? Yeah, the last 15 minutes he's just nah. he's to be absolutely slashed. No. Nah. No, not for you? No. Nah. So we, I, I, I don't see how you can bring in a, at this moment in time. I can't see us progressing, bringing in a, a player, a player who's just come, really, who's just come out of yeah playing really. I, no, he hasn't even no. finished playing yet. He's yeah, playing in the Premier playing. League. No, this exactly. Um, what would he be like? A player manager? That yeah, would be an well, option. Yeah, but his, his odds seem to be going through the roof. Nah. Cool. I think we need an experienced manager at this time. Yeah. Actually, one who can bring confidence back to young players. That's a very good point. So. Morgan, that's all we've got time for uh, this week, matey. Thank you very much indeed for giving up your time. Much appreciated. That's fine. So our last phoning guest joins us now is Elliot Byrne, who's on Twitter at Elliot and Byrne. Elliot, um, welcome to the show. Season ticket holder in the South Stand, I'm led to believe. Sorry, can you say that again? Yep, season ticket holder in the South Stand. Yep. Yep, so what are your views on all things Orient at the moment? Uh, it's an interesting one. It is. Um, it's difficult because I'm not sure when you look on paper whether Hendon can have too many complaints about being sacked but there obviously seems to be a load of issues behind the scenes which would give him uh, give him issues about the sacking okay, you know, we, we don't know the full story yeah so you, you so, met Ian, didn't you? You met Ian a couple of weeks ago and you seemed quite sure. impressed with him. Yeah, um, yeah, I was obviously invited to meet Ian from his fiancée. And, um, yeah, it, he, it was a good meeting. He was, he was friendly, he was honest. Um, yeah, it was, it was a worthwhile meeting. As, as you'd expect, he sort of told me I think what I wanted to hear. Yeah. But he also he also was uh, quite honest. Um, things like the Kevin Nolan bit that's come out later. He talked to me about then, 
um, which was interesting. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good meeting. So, do you think he was let go too soon, or do you agree with him going after Saturday's match? Um, I mean, Saturday's match was appalling, but if if the things coming out of the club are true, then it's probably incredibly harsh. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, uh, you know, and also the stuff like Paul McCallum, um, he, he believed that Paul McCallum had at least 15 goals in him by now. So, you know, players like that, are, McCallum and Cox, are all obviously going to be big misses. Yeah, he's very, very unlucky with his injuries, I think. You know, that's yeah. being, being and it's, it's, not, it's not just the number of injuries, it's the players that the injuries have happened to. You know, I don't think saying you've had all these injuries is, is a, a fantastic excuse, but they were key players. Oh, absolutely, they were. They were. So, in terms of who comes in, then who would you like to see take up the reins at Orient? Okay. I, I want Andy Edwards to be manager. I, I think I've expressed this yep, you've a couple of times. So why Andy Edwards? What 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 has won you over? Well, I mean, you just have to. I think you just have to look at the success of the youth team uh, in the last few years since he's come in. You know, you've got numerous youth players coming into the first team. They won the league last year. They're currently sat third in the league this year. You know, so there's obviously the success there, and I'm under the belief that now is a good time to make that risk. You know, with that mid-table with a few few months ago, we're, just, we're 20 points clear of Yeovil, so the chances are we're not going to get relegated. That's, that's not that's not an issue. So if we use this last few months to uh, to take it as a building process, I don't see why we shouldn't go with someone who knows the club, someone who's respected by the players and the staff there, and, you know, someone who's, I think, is completely deserving of that opportunity, be it at Orient or somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Final question, Elliot. Playoffs or promotion still achievable for us? Promotion? Yes, yes no. no. Playoffs, yes. Cool. Fantastic. Nice way to end the phone in. Very good. Very good. Elliot, thank you very much indeed. Cheers for having for me. Joining us. Pleasure as always, and we'll see you see you at the ground soon. Yeah, we'll do. So that was the first ever Orin Outlook podcast phone in. So some great phone calls there. So thanks to everyone who got involved. So thank you to Dave Victor, to Kevin Lisby, to Stu Hebron, to John McIntyre, to Morgan Conn, to David Sears, to Chris Holmes, Matt Bristow, David Elias. And finally, Elliot Byrne. So we hope you enjoyed that. And we plan to do more of those um, in the upcoming weeks. That's it. That uh, leads us on to next week's fixtures. We did get loads and loads of tweets about um, who you think the next manager will be. And we're really sorry, but we've we've taken up a lot of time this week. So we're just going to crack on. Uh, thank you for everybody who did get in touch. It is genuinely appreciated. Next week, we've got Wickham away. Uh, they are sixth in League Two. We win, we'll go level with them on points. There's all still to play for. For those of you who are going, do have a safe journey there. And that's about it now for episode 57. New year, but same old Orient, unfortunately, as always. We're behind the boys, we'll always support the team. And we'll be back with episode 58 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for listening, it's been a monster. Um, And we think Sundays will still be a monster because... 
we probably probably won't have a manager in place and we'll go through more of the management options uh, on Maybe Sunday's next week, podcast yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. So have a great week thanks for listening up and as O's. always up the O's in every life we have some trouble but when you worry you make it double don't worry be happy don't worry be happy now Ooh.